Um, what is something that everybody does at the same time? Does anyone know? Anyone have a guess? Sorry? Breathe? That's true. That's not my question. Um, grow older. This study, this term, we've been looking at growing older and wiser. And I realise as I talk about this, I'm probably the youngest one here. Um, but I love to learn from um, all of you women here. Um, at every stage of life we're at, we can always grow wiser and we can bring glory to God. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that we can meet here. We pray that you'll just put out distractions of our mind so that we can learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've all seen different images of trust. Um, if you've been to different um, business workshops or things as a child, you might see the trust fall where someone falls back into the arms of another person and you trust that person's going to catch you. Um, or the image of a child being thrown up into the sky by its father or mother and the, there's no care in the world. That little girl or boy trusts that the father is going to catch them. Um, we trust people. We trust a chair that we sit on. We trust that it won't break underneath us. And from this passage, we're going to look at how to have trust in the Lord to the last days of our life here on earth. Now, for some of you, I know your trust has been broken. People have hurt you. Um, you've struggled with the idea of trust, and it can be hard if you've been hurt to trust other people. Last week, Liz looked at the first half of the psalm, and we were reminded how to deal with our fears and that sometimes our fears can take us, our eyes off Jesus. But the peace of God will take away your fear. It comes from knowing who we are in Christ and turning our burdens over to the Lord. In the second half of the psalm that Bev read to us, we see how the psalmist finds constant help in God from childhood to his old age. Now, if you have your Bibles, keep them open in um, Psalm 71 so you can have a look along with me. The psalmist had developed a deep knowledge of God. He had expressed godly ways of dealing with whatever happened in his life. And there's three that I want to pick up from today. Three godly habits that um, I want us to learn to have in our life. Hope, praise and trust. Verse 14 says, As for me, I will always have hope. Hope is commonly used um, to mean a wish. Its strength is in the strength of the person's desire. We desire and hope for something. A child hopes to win the race. I might hope to win the lottery. Um, yesterday, my ch children had their Easter hat parade and they were hoping that they would win the Easter basket. Um, we could keep hoping for the car spot or the rain to come or hope for the sun to dry our washing. But we also need to understand that there's a big difference between secular hope and biblical hope. Both forms of hope contain the idea of a future expectation. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in God's faithfulness. The secular hope is uncertain because its object is uncertain, whereas biblical hope is sure because God is its object. God is a sure thing. He will never change. Verse 5 in Psalm 71 says, For you are my hope, O Lord God, 
You are my confidence from my youth. Believers should be people who have hope. Hope in the promises of God and what he's given us through his word. But unfortunately, there are many Christians that have picked up a negative, hopeless spirit of the world because they focus on the problems instead of focusing on God and his promises. If you develop a habit of hopelessness, it can make you bitter. And as you grow older, that bitterness dwells inside you. God's people should be people of hope in God, and that should shine through in our lives. In verse 14, but I will hope continually. The psalmist is looking at the past, stops looking at the past, and starts to look at the future with faith, knowing God will take care of him. The word translated hope in verse 14 means a long and patient waiting in spite of disappointments and troubles in your life. In the Bible, we see that God has been a constant help to people in the past, and that should give us hope for our future. Hope in him will help you keep going through all circumstances, whatever happens in your life. Hope is also a form of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hope is the confident expectation of something good in the future. To hope in God doesn't mean I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope for the best. William Carey puts it like this. He says, expect great things from God. I don't cross my fingers hoping that God will help. I can stand here confidently and expect that God will care and do great things for me. We see lots of people um, over the last two years um, without hope because of uh, COVID. They've lost businesses. um, They've lost loved ones. It's been a hard two years for a lot of people and the hope is dwindling. There is a desperate need for hope in our world right now. This is a moment when us Christians can stand out as light in the darkness. We offer that light of hope in a dark world. We have the word of God to give us hope in our dark times and dark hours. God's word reminds us that God uses our trials for his glory, to bring us closer to him, even if you don't see that yet. The second half of verse 14 says, I will praise you yet more and more. The psalmist, even in hard times, not only depends upon God for help, but praises him. He does not slip into despair or seem to lose a sense of God's favour. Which brings me to the second godly habit that I want to pick up on is praise. Now, praise may not come naturally for some people, Some of us are just natural grumblers or complainers by nature. And it might be a harder thing to learn. But God wants people to praise. Even just this morning, um, walking back and forth from the toilet and office, it's easy to grumble in doing that in the rain. But even when difficult times come, I'm not saying you have to have a smile on your face 24-7, because there are things in life that get us down, that are hard. And that's okay when you're hurting. Jesus knows how you feel. But God still wants us to learn to praise him. Verse 8 says, My mouth is filled with your praise. 
declaring your splendour all day long. Verses 22 to 23 says, I will praise you with the heart for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. Now the psalmist is um, of old age, but he keeps on praising the Lord. He couldn't begin to measure or count the Lord's righteous acts. He sang and shouted all day long, not when he was just in the temple. We shouldn't be just praising the Lord when we come here on Sundays or Thursdays, but all week long, in your homes, with your friends, in all that we do. But how can we learn to praise God when trials come into our life? As I said before, we don't always have to have that happy smile. That's not what it's saying. But in every circumstances, find ways to praise God for all that he's done for us. Because we know he's done so much for us in sending his son Jesus. We need to learn to trust him. Because just as trust stems from knowing God, so praise stems from trusting God. You don't normally praise a person or a business or a company if you don't trust them. And the same is with God. If we're not trusting him, how can we sing of his praises? If you feel that there is something about a person that you can't trust, you generally won't sing their praises. It's the same with God. If deep down inside you doubt God's goodness or faithfulness, if you struggle to trust him, how can you honestly be praising him? If you are a complainer and have trouble developing a heart of praise, maybe we could concentrate on getting to know God better, his word, his ways. The psalm shows, God's righteous, shows of God's righteousness. Verse 19 says, Your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heaven, highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? The psalmist considered the greatness of God, first in God's righteousness and how high above men it is, and then that God is the one who has done great things beyond what men can do. The surpassing righteous and power of God made him go, O oh God, who is like you? Who is like you? No one. God is the only infinite being who can resemble him. No one. He is the only eternal. He can have none, he can have none before and there can be none, no one after. Because the psalmist was fearing unjust treatment at the hands of unrighteous men, he wanted to affirm God's righteousness of the God that he trusted. Even though there are troubles and distresses come into our life, God is still faithful and good. Verse 20. You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me from the depths of the earth. He looked back at his life of trials and blessings from the Lord. He looked around at his enemies. He looked ahead at his old age and the problems that he might face. And he even looked down into the depths of the earth. But it's when he looked up then realised God's righteousness reaches to the heaven that he grew in confidence and trust. He left his worries to the Lord. Now, isn't that a good example for us to follow? Look back at what God has done for you. Count your many blessings, name them by name, 
And when you are going through hard times, let those blessings you look back on carry you on. The Lord be praised for his help. The writer was a poet, a singer, and he used all his gifts to praise the Lord. Thirdly, I want to pick up on trust. We come to, I guess, the main part of what we've been looking at. Now, trust is the firm belief in the character, strength or truth of someone or something. Trusting in God means that whatever we suffer, we trust it to God until the very end, our last days on earth. We give it to God knowing and trusting that he has a plan. Now that can be hard because we want to control things our way. It's hard to hand it over to someone else. But we need to be, have trust with our entire being that God has our back, that he will take care of you. He knows what's best. He created you. But to truly embrace what he has planned for you, you have to fully trust him. Our trust is not foolish, for our God is faithful and good. And when you know and read God's word, you will realise that. When we put our trust in him, he quiets our hearts. He's been faithful to many people throughout the Bible and history, so we can trust him in our troubled times. Are you developing a habit of trusting God in difficult times of your life? Or do you frequently worry and doubt and fear? I know it seems easier said than done. And I know there's a lot of areas that I'm still working on and trusting God. Trusting God with my children and how they will grow up. If you have trouble trusting, concentrate on getting to know him. Has he saved you from your sins? Yes. Has he sustained you this far? Then you can trust him with your present problems and for any which arise in the future. God's way for us to grow old is for us to develop a walk with him now, a life that involves a deep personal knowledge of God, including godly habits of hope, praise and trust but also a walk that involves a lifestyle, a lifestyle of ministry to God. Verse um, 17 and 18, Now when I am old and grey. Now I'm only getting a few little grey hairs. Um, but the psalmist didn't say, Well, I'm old, I'm going to kick back now. I've done my job here on earth and I've worshipped God and I've told people about God. I can relax. He had a concern for ministry. He wanted to still share with others about God's faithfulness and power. As long as he had breath, he wanted to keep telling people about God's greatness and glory. I know there are times in people's life when you're busier with young children or there's times when you physically can't um, serve the way you used to. But you could serve in other ways, prayer ministry, um, just meeting and just encouraging and ringing people. There are lots of different ways you can serve. No matter what age or stage of life you are or physical capabilities you have. Look at Paul. He shared the gospel from prison. I've always been encouraged with the life of Nathan Giles. Even though he was sick, 
In bed, he would still message and say, I'm praying for you in the children's ministry. And I still remember that. He never thought of himself and the end of his life. He thought of God's work being done. Last night, as I was waiting for my girls to finish GFS, I came across an article in the Sydney Anglican webpage, the title, Dying But Not Afraid. It's an amazing and inspiring story, and I really encourage you to go and read it. I can't share it all. I wanted to share it all, but it would take too long. Um, But I'll just read a little bit. In the months leading up to her death, at the age of 25, Brooklyn built a platform to share her love of Jesus and her journey back home. She dedicated her final months to sharing the gospel and the hope we can have in Jesus. She reached thousands with her reflections on sickness, suffering, the gospel and hope. It was really an incredible story to read. Um, Even in her last days on earth as a young woman, she shared the gospel. Through the use of technology, I know we grumbled about it before, but through the use of technology, she shared Jesus' love. Even though she was sick and suffering and facing her own death, she shared the hope of eternal life. A person is never too old or too sick to serve. We're never too old or sick to pray. Age or physical ability should never stop us sharing the good news of Jesus, especially to younger people in your life, to your grandchildren, neighbours. The point is, the psalmist had a vision to hand off the baton to the next generation. As I was um, reading for the talk, I came across this poem, um, The Source is Unknown. Trust him when dark doubts assail thee. Trust him when thy strength is small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust him, he is ever faithful. Trust him, for his will is best. Trust him, for the heart of Jesus is the only place of rest. Are you trusting Jesus with your life? But are you trusting Jesus with all your life? Now, as we come to look at Easter, um, the, the next few week over the next week, Easter is a time of hope, not the trivialized hope we talked about earlier for the parking space or the rain, but a hope which looks at G- what Jesus proclaimed in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. A hope in new life that can only be found through Jesus. Jesus is the one who understands the fear of suffering, the grief of isolation, the pain of unjust violence. He went through it all. So when you go through hard times, understand and know that Jesus understands what you're feeling. Easter is a day of new beginnings, of new life. It is a day for hope. It is a day for gratitude for the days we've had and the days to come. It's a day where we remember that love is stronger than hate and death does not have the last word. The resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate at Easter is a testimony to the power of Christ overcoming darkness and bringing hope. He is our personal saviour. He alone paid the price for us all. Come to him and trust in his sacrifice for you. Come, lay your burdens at my feet, he says.
and in return I will give you complete rest. Love, healing and peace can be ours when we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. The cross led to a glorious resurrection which led to freedom from sin. We can now experience true peace and rest. Do you trust his sacrifice in your daily life? Jesus is risen and he is Christ of all. Jesus asks us to lay our troubles, our sins down at the foot of the cross. Trust him with all areas of your life, not just a little bit of it. Right now, I want you to have a think. What is stopping you from trusting in Jesus? What is holding you back from putting your trust in Jesus' hands? What are your fears, anxieties, struggles? What sins do you struggle with? Um, In a minute, we're going to write them down um, and we're going to place them at the foot of the cross. But first, let me pray. Thank you that you make all things new, Lord. Thank you for the victory and power in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys over death, that by your might, Jesus was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life. Thank you that you had a plan to rescue us and that you made a way. We confess our need for you, fresh, new again. We ask that you renew our hearts, minds and lives for the days ahead. Lord, give us wisdom to put our complete trust in you, Lord. Amen.